0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, friends. Good morning, morning. How are you? Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. It's a good day to be here, to be experiencing life, to be sharing life together, to be celebrating with our friends as they get baptized. It's going to be a fantastic day. So I hope you came ready to celebrate. I hope you came ready to experience God. I hope you're awake. If you're not awake, go get some coffee in the lobby and wake up because it's time to connect with God. I've got mine. It's okay to go get yours. Get yourself ready. My name's Kevin, and I am one of the pastors here at New Life, and I get to share with you uh, some musings about community this morning. We're going to talk about community, different pieces of it, because uh, if you're like me, you might think community uh, circles really around things like shared activities. I have community with the parents on my kid's sporting team because we're together once or twice a week, or I have community with my neighbors because they live next to me, and I see them as we pull out of our garages and head to work in the morning. But I want to tell you that community is actually much deeper than that. Community is something that God designed, that God wants us to experience. And community, if it's done right, helps us experience God. We're in this series called Level 4 Living. And Level 4 Living is really talking about four different stages. You see this little thing behind me. Four different stages of our journey towards God, beginning with exploring Christ. Uh, You might be here this morning and you're here because... Uh, a friend or a family member is getting baptized or someone just invited you to come but you're not a follower of god you're just checking it out you're in the exploring christ area of your journey and that's a fine place to be we want you to uh engage there to connect there to ask some real questions and look for some real answers if you're in that space and then we move on to growing in christ where you would say you know what i have come into a relationship with god I don't have all the answers, but I know enough to know that there is a God, that he uh, uniquely showed himself through Jesus, and that he is the only one who can restore, redeem, heal, transform, give purpose to life at the deepest level. And so I want to follow him, and then we go close to Christ uh, which begins to have God formulate who we are in a very real way and then christ center, which is where we want to be. It's level four. It's uh, the can- kind of life that says, God, uh, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done here on earth, just like it is in heaven. And so whatever you want to do in me and through me, I'm yours. God, I am a, a pencil in your hand, so go ahead and write the story. Because I want you to use me in a very real way. And that's where we're going. And we've been asking the question for the last few weeks what is God's design in this life? How did he create me? We talked about things like witness, sharing our faith, and talked about uh, things like freedom. God designed us to have freedom and God designed us to have fullness of life. We're changing the question for the next few weeks from what is God's design to this new question what is my responsibility? How do I actually engage with the things of God? What can I do to experience this life? What are practices that I can put into place in my life to deeper encounter with God? I've become convinced of uh, two key ways that we grow in our relationship with God. The first key way is through trials, through pain, through suffering, through hurt, because in those places, we're outside of our comfort zone, and we uh, don't know how to do it on our own anymore. And so we ask God to come and to lead and to guide us in those places. And the other way is through spiritual practices, through engaging with God through a series of things that help us connect deeper with Him. We're not going to talk about pain and hurt this morning and suffering, although at some point that will be a future series that we need to get into. We're going to spend the next few weeks, though, talking about some spiritual practices, some things that we can do to help us really fully engage with God. Uh, Most of you know I have a -a two-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Maddie, and last summer we were in the Chicago airport Uh, flying back here from visiting family. And Maddie's attention span and my attention span are about the same length of time, uh, three to five minutes somewhere in there. And so we were both reading our stories and uh, just got bored. And so we said to my wife, Maria, hey, we're going to go explore because this place looks fantastic. And so we were exploring and having a great time, and we were running around getting some exercise, and uh, we found this moving walkway. And I love moving walkways because uh, they just go and go and go, and you can do so much cool stuff on a moving walkway. Like, I noticed there was no one coming down the hall, so I said, hey, Maddie, let's run the opposite direction down the moving walkway. That'll get some energy out for me, and, and you just have to put up with me because you're my daughter. And so she got on the moving walkway, and she started to run. I said, I'm going to get you. Daddy's going to get you. And she took off running as fast as she could, and her little legs are moving, and she's, she's barely going, but she's moving. And then about halfway through, she got exhausted, and she stopped, and she just started to slide back towards me. And I said, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And she slid right back. Friends, When we talk about spiritual practices, uh, they are not things that happen on accident. They're not things that happen by mistake. Spiritual practices are like going the opposite direction on a moving walkway. If you don't engage with them, if you aren't actively looking for ways to connect with God, you will start to go backwards. There is no neutral spot. There's either taking ground, moving closer to God, or there's sliding backwards, sliding away from God. So I want you to keep that picture in mind as we talk for the next couple of weeks. These things that we're talking about are not things that we accidentally fall into. We don't accidentally have community. You will accidentally form friendships. And that's great. We want friendships. But when I talk about community, when God talks about community, it's something specific and something that has real purpose behind it. And so you don't accidentally fall into that. And the things that Ron's going to share with us next week, uh, you don't accidentally fall into. They have uh, purpose behind them and meaning behind them. And you have to actively look for ways to connect with God. So you don't go backwards on the moving walkway because I'm there and I'm going to get you if you get to the end. So make sure you're walking towards God. Let me pray for us. And then we're just going to dive into this idea of community. Lord, would you speak clearly and powerfully this morning through me? Uh, Would you speak to our hearts through the worship? Would you speak to our passions and our desires uh, through all that we do As we see our friends get baptized this morning, would you remind us of the time when you first encountered us, when you drew us to yourself, and when we took that step to be baptized and confess all that you were doing in our lives to this community? Lord, would we celebrate with our friends? Would this be a moment that marks uh, their life here on earth as a turning point of transformation where they took this step with you and for you? Lord, we are so excited for all that you're doing. Would you open us up? Would you help me to get out of your way so that you can speak to us this morning? Amen. Amen. Our country was founded on the declaration of, the declaration of, shout it out, that's good. Seventh grade history. You know this, people. We're a young, hip community. We know how we were founded. The declaration of independence. Uh, And and for generations— uh, we have known that independence is our key. It's our right. It's our prerogative. Uh, I am, I believe, 16th generation U.S. born. Uh, so short of Native Americans, my family came over on the Mayflower. They've just been around for a long time. Uh, the Finkbeiner snuck in somewhere around from Germany, but we don't talk about them. This is like the, the true, you know, came in the beginning kind of people. So independence has always been part of, of my culture. Uh, I was always told that it was uh, a gift and was my right something that I deserve. I deserve independence. And you've been told that. You deserve to be independent. And independence is good. Uh, independence gives us individuality and uniqueness and nonconformity. There are some great things to independence. But if we're not careful, independence can hinder us from what God wants to do in the context of community. Uh, because God did not design us ultimately to be independent people. Uh, Many of us were raised to believe that independence was our ultimate goal, but the truth is God has a different goal, a different plan for us. Uh, By the way, uh, in your program there are some notes, some teaching notes. If you want to follow along, I think they'd be really helpful. Uh, I wrote them, that's why I think they'd be really helpful. So uh, pull them out. You're going to want to take it home with you. I think you're going to want to look at some some key things, because there's a lot going on in there. I thought that I was actually getting pretty good about this independent thing, this independent spirit inside of me, this desire, this need, this right to have my own whatever, my own space, my own time, uh, my own job, my own whatever. Uh, And then I realized last weekend, when our new neighbor moved in, that I am not as free from the desire for independence as I thought I was. Uh, We live in a condo, and so we have shared walls on both sides, and we have great neighbors— We had really great neighbors. We still have great neighbors. They're just different kind of great. Uh, Our old great neighbors were never there. Uh, They're two single women on either side, and they aren't just—they're not there a whole lot. And when they are there, they're not talking a whole lot because they live alone, and so they're quiet. Our new great neighbor is a single mom with a 10-year-old daughter who listens to Alanis Morissette just bumping all the time and, like, really good music— but they're loud. And a 10-year-old doesn't walk quietly. A 10-year-old runs up the stairs and runs down the stairs and it's really loud. And I didn't think it was bothering me until Maddie took a nap. She naps about 11 o'clock. And uh, it was last Friday. I'm having some time with the Lord. Maddie's napping. And all of a sudden I hear boom, 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 boom up the stairs. And then mom, mom, mom. She's yelling. Mom's talking back. It's this whole big thing. And I felt this, this thing inside of me just tense up. Do you ever have that? And you're just like, oh, please be quiet my kid's sleeping. Don't you know it's 11 o'clock? I think it was a Saturday. 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning, that's a time when we have to be silent? Don't don't you know that? (laughs) Right? Quiet hours are between the hours of 11 and 1 when my two-year-old is sleeping, and so everyone in our community needs to be silent. No bouncing the basketball outside, no talking, no dancing, no Alanis Morissette. Independence is ingrained in us. Uh, we think we have the right to, to have whatever we want, whenever we want it, however we want it. Uh, we tell our kids, my goal for you is that you would be a healthy member of society, uh, that you would have some level of intelligence, and that when you hit 18, you would move out of my house and go do your own thing, right? Isn't that what we, we want our kids to do? That they would just get out at some point. Uh, if they stay until they're married, some of us think this is heaven, others think it's hell. Like, no, get out now right? I sent you to college. I got myself into debt to get you to college so that you would stay away. Don't come back and take more. You need to go. The thing is, God actually calls us to a community that moves from independence to interdependence. We were raised to believe that independence was the key, but God calls us to a community that moves to interdependence. Jesus wants to switch this independent mindset of, I want to get mine. I'm only looking out for number one. He wants to move us to a place where we look out for each other, where we care about each other. Not dependence, not a place where I would get everything from you and you just give me, give me, give me, give me, and I take, 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 but interdependence. Sometimes I'm the giver, other times you're the giver, and I'm the receiver. And I want to be clear, because sometimes we think when we come into the church, we just kind of conform to this standard or this pattern. And Uh, The truth is God doesn't call us to conformity. Uh, Anyone who knows my story knows that I'm anything uh, kind of but a conformist. I came into the church and came into ministry with bleached hair and uh, earrings and tongue rings and the whole nine yards, spiked up, mohawks, everything. But God wanted to use me though. I'm not Ron, never will be Ron. So if you're waiting for me to mature, to become like Ron, uh, you just need to slide out, okay? Ron is Ron and I love Ron, but I'm not Ron. I'm independent, and you're independent. God doesn't want you to be anyone other than who you are. I fell into this trap early on in ministry. I met this guy named Jake, and Jake was this real deep philosophical guy, very smart, always had the right answer, very cool-headed, very calm. He grew a fantastic beard, and so I really looked up to him. Um, You know what I'm talking about. I was like 22, and Jake was like 28. He'd been in ministry forever, five years or so and he was, he was who I wanted to be. I spent the summer trying to be like Jake, trying to act like Jake, trying to talk like Jake. By the end of the summer, I had failed in pretty much every ministry aspect I tried, because I'm not Jake. God didn't create me to be Jake. I'm not even tempers. I'm not, you know, I put my foot in my mouth a lot. That's what makes you laugh. That's what makes my wife cringe. I'm not deep and philosophical. I'm kind of funny and edgy and quirky and who knows what's going to happen next. That's me. That's who God created me to be. Friend, I want you to know God created you to be a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece from God. The Bible says that God knew you before you were born, that God actually formed you together inside your mother with plans and with vision and with purpose. You are a masterpiece and the community needs you to take on your divine shape. This community needs you to be unique. It needs you to own who you are for us to be who God calls us to be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul's talking to this community of people, and he says to them, uh, each of you has been given a spiritual gift. And these gifts are used for interdependence to bless other people within the community. And then he says, this is what this community looks like. It looks like a body. And he goes in chapter 12, verse 12 on to say, just as the body, though one has many parts— But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we could add to that old or young, male or female, we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? That's an excellent question. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. See, fullness of God comes from being part of a community that has many parts. And every single part of the community has to take its role. If even one person in this room says, you know what, I don't really like what I bring to this community, I'm just going to be a spectator, I'm not going to be an active member of this community, all of us suffer. There's not one person in here who is dispensable. There's not one person in here who doesn't have a role to play. Every single one of us has something to bring, something to give. And we all have different parts to play. Some of you are hands. Some of you are feet. Some of us are small intestines. We all have parts to play. According to God, each of us brings something vital to the community. So the question is, what do you bring? What do you bring to this community? Your answer may be, I know what I bring to the community, and I'm doing something with it. Your answer might be, I don't know what I bring to this community, but I want to figure it out. But I can guarantee you, your answer is not, I don't have anything to bring to this community. God says you do have something to bring. God says you do have something to offer. God says we cannot be the people God wants us to be unless you take on your divine role to bring your part into this community. Uh, If you don't know what God wants you to bring, if you don't know what your place is, what your role is, you can figure it out. We have ways to help you figure it out. I'm part of a life group right now that is talking about my unique purpose in life. How has God shaped me? What are my spiritual gifts? What are my passions? What are my experiences? How does that all play together to help me figure out how I can live and work and serve in God's body? how I can love people, how I can uh, be all that God created me to be in the context of this group. If you don't know what God has for you, look for that group to come in the summer. We're going to have it again. I think we titled it something like Finding My Unique Purpose in Life. And join it and start asking questions. What do I bring to this group? What do I bring to this community? Because you cannot sit on the sidelines. You hurt the body if you sit on the sidelines. If you're a big toe and we cut you off because you're not serving, that's going to hurt us. If you're a hangnail, as small as a hangnail is, if you pull that hangnail out, man, that hurts. We cannot be who God wants us to be unless you own who God created you to be. And there are three circles of community that I want to talk about for the rest of the morning. Uh, Because these three circles actually form the way that God created us to experience life and experience community. And so I want to talk about those. Paul starts by saying we're this big body of Christ, and then the body of Christ plays out in different ways. And the three ways the body of Christ plays out according to God is in these three circles. And, and to the extent that we engage in all of them together, we enable God to move. Now, if we engage in one of them, it's better than none. If we engage in two, it's better than one. But really, God designed us to experience community in all three of these circles. And we're going to look at that a little bit later. It allows God to speak. and allows God to engage with us. But I want to warn you up front. We're going to start big picture, and we're going to get small. And the smaller we get, the more you have to invite other people into your life. The more you have to ask people to speak into your life. The more uh, increased chance you have of interdependence. So I just want to warn you up front. That's the way God designed you. The payoffs are great, but there is a risk. There is uh, a challenge for you in that. So the first circle is the public circle. And generally this takes place on Sunday morning in the worship service, in the worship experience. Usually Sunday mornings are the entry point into the church. Generally, you don't uh, join a church by joining a small group for the first time, although people do that sometimes. Generally, Sunday morning is the entry point into the church. It's the public circle where people say, you know what, I'm going to come, I'm going to check this out. And there are great benefits to the public circle. In the public circle, we worship God with hundreds of other believers. Now, by the way, I filled in a lot of your blanks in here because I didn't want you to be writing notes like crazy, uh, but I wanted you to have them. So uh, we worship God with other believers. And there's something powerful in that. It's great to worship on my own. I love rocking out to to songs in my car and singing and just going for it. I do. Keep the eyes open. It's just a good thing to do when you're driving in your car. But go ahead. Worship God in your car. But there's something different when we're all together. I remember my first encounter into a huge worship service was at this conference called Urbana 03. And it was 25,000 college students all together to experience what God wants us to do in life and and, in mission and what's our purpose. And so we got in there the first night. We're all sitting down in this auditorium. Uh, I think it was a big basketball arena. And the worship leader said, everybody stand up and worship. And we all stood up at the same time and the seats all flipped up behind us. They all clicked. And it was like thunder when we all stood up. And something about that, I almost started crying right there. Now I'm a crier. So I almost cry a lot of times. But there's something about 25,000 people all standing together to worship God that, oh, just grabbed me. I wish you could see what I get to see. All of us here together each week, experiencing God, worshiping God, every once in a while. That's why, actually, that's why we turned our chairs this way. When we worship a little bit later, I want you to look at each other. Don't, don't like lurk on anybody. Don't creep anybody out. (laughs) But just glance at them. Because there's something powerful about seeing each other when we worship. About worshiping together, it draws us to a deeper place of intimacy with God. So we do that in the public circle. Another thing we get to do in the public circle is we encounter God through Scripture teaching. That's what we're doing right now. We look at things like First Corinthians 12 and we try to break it apart. We look at scripture and ask God, God, what are you speaking to us as a community? We get on the same page. The powerful thing about that is that 300 of us are hearing the same thing at one time and we're going to live it together. And we have synergy and movement as we all walk out together. Another great gift of this public circle of community is that we get to experience the new life of Christ and celebrate it through communion each week. I don't know if you've been in churches where we don't celebrate communion each week, uh, but if you have, you probably came here and thought, there's something really special about this. Uh, Maybe if you've been in this type of community a long time where you do communion each week, it's become routine to you. I want to encourage you, don't let it become routine. Celebrating the new life that Christ has given us through communion is this amazing experience that we get to have together. One of the fourth great gifts, in my opinion, is the gift that we get to practice generosity towards God through giving every Sunday. We live in a culture that says it's all about me and getting mine and having mine. Did you realize that every time we take up our offering, you have the opportunity to stand against that culture and to practice generosity? And that flows into every area of your life. If you're generous with your money, you will be generous with your time. You will be generous with your resources. You will be generous with your kids and your words. And it's this great opportunity. It's a challenge to us sometimes, but it's a great opportunity that we have in this public worship circle. And then the fifth gift that we get is that we get to serve together. We get to share our unique gifts. And this is a great entry point for a lot of us, just to try serving the community. Uh, Again, this isn't the only place to serve. We're going to talk about another great place to serve in a minute, but the church on Sunday morning gives you great opportunities to serve. Everything from behind the scenes to up on stage and everything in between. And I want to encourage you, take your place in serving. Take your place in this community. Remember, each of us has to use the gifts that God's given us to make our community who we need to be. I have a a daughter in Kids Life right now, which is the zero to five-year-olds, and I just got a note from our teacher saying we're missing two lead teachers, and I think four or five support teachers and and other staff. I want to encourage you, if your gift is in serving kids, in loving kids, in meeting kids' needs, go serve there. We need you as part of this body to go and to serve. If you're a teacher and you're sitting here saying, I serve kids five days a week, I'm not going to do it on Sunday too. I want to tell you, stop serving kids five days a week and start serving in the body of Christ. (laughs) What's more important? What's more important than God's body? What's more important than God's community being served and their needs being met? What if our worship team was like, you know what, I sing all the time. I'm not going to sing on Sunday morning. I've had enough. We wouldn't have worship. I know our kids are behind closed doors, but they deserve to be taught and to be led. My daughter came home and we were singing um, the bingo song, you know, B-I-N-G-O, that song. She changed the verse to J-E-S-U-S, and Jesus was his name (laughs) Oh. My daughter's teaching me worship. I love it, but she's only doing it because Mr. Shane and Miss Karen and Miss Susan are teaching her in the background these worship songs, and she gets to bring it to our house. I want to encourage you, use your gifts to serve. I know some people say, you know what? I love God, but I hate the church. I don't like the body of Christ. Can I tell you, Paul says when you become a Christian, you are the body of Christ. Not you have the opportunity to maybe choose into the body of Christ if you want to. No, he says you are. When you become a Christian, God is the head of this body, and you are the body. Now, when you look in the mirror in the morning, are there parts of your body you don't particularly like? Sure there are. Are there parts that you want to kind of lean up a little bit? Sure there are, but you don't cut them off. I guess you do plastic surgery. We're not going to talk about that today. (laughs) If you don't like the way your thumbnail looks, you don't just slice it off. You trim it, right? In the body of Christ, we don't choose out when things aren't perfect. I can tell you we are not a perfect community at New Life. We never will be because we're imperfect people trying to serve and love a perfect God. But it doesn't mean we choose out. It means we step in. We work with the body. We work in the body. We try to become all that God wants us to be. You cannot love God and hate the church. It doesn't work that way because you are the church. So the public circle is the first one. The second circle is the social circle. The social circle generally takes place through life groups. It's the space where we begin to form Christian relationships. Uh, on Sunday mornings, we have the shared experience. We come, we worship, we celebrate communion, we give, We have maybe two minutes to say hi to somebody, but we don't really get to know them. We walk up, we say, hey, how you doing? Can you believe those stinky Packers won the Super Bowl? I can't. And then you're back to worship, right? That's not where relationships are formed. Relationships begin in life groups. Relationships begin as we begin to engage with people in a more intimate setting. Five people, 10 people, 20 people. That's where relationships start. Another great gift of the social circle is that we begin to dialogue about the things of God. We don't generally have discussions in sermons. Did you notice that? It's not a a stand up and let's go back and forth on it. Now, I love a little amen from time to time. I want to hear, uh-huh, okay, preach it, give it to me. It's like fuel for my soul. Seriously, we could use a little more amen in this church. We could get it going, Amen. Amen. amen, amen. That's right, preach it. If something hits you and you're like, I don't know about that, say, oh man, I don't know. That hurts. But preach it, brother. I'm down with that. But you don't generally stand up and have a dialogue with me. If you stood up right now and started talking to me, we all think you were kind of weird. Because we all know that's not the place for this. But in life groups, we actually begin to dialogue with each other. We begin to study scripture. We look at things together. We talk back and forth. And as we dialogue, we begin to understand more. So life groups in this public circle are this great gift because we dialogue about the things of God. In this, in this social circle, and life groups, we tangibly meet the needs of other people. If you don't know the needs of other people, you can't meet the needs of other people. And you can't know their needs unless you know them. So get into life groups, begin to know people, and we have this beginning of interdependence. I meet your needs, you meet my needs. We work together to figure this thing out. I want to warn you, when you move into this social circle, you lose a little bit of your anonymity. Truth is, you could walk in here late, You could ignore the entire message and walk out early, and no one would probably call you on it. But once you join a life group, people get to know you. They want to talk to you. They want to share life with you. If you miss church for a few weeks, they're going to say, where were you? I missed you. I want to see you. We lose anonymity, but the truth is God did not create us to be anonymous entities. God created us to be known and to know, to be loved and to love, to love, to be cared for and to care for other people. And, And so it's a great thing to do. Finally, it's the personal circle. This personal circle generally takes place with a small handful of selected people. Uh, this is the only circle that the church can't do for you, by the way. We we have Sunday mornings so you just have to show up. We have life groups, you just need to sign up. This circle actually takes a lot of work on your part. You have to seek it out. You have to select people. We can't say, "Hey, why don't you just sign up and we'll put you in groups of intimate gatherings with people?" That you don't know. Awkward. We don't do that. That would be really bad. But in this circle, you're completely open in every area of your life. That's a great gift of this circle. In this circle, we, we seek input from other people on decision making. This circle is a circle that really forms our major choices. We ask people, we call them up, will you speak into my life? I have this thing going on. Would you share with me? You know everything about me. I'm transparent. Now, would you come and would you speak? In this circle, we invite accountability. This circle is the hardest for most of us, including myself, because there's fear associated with this circle. What if they get to know me and they don't like me? What if I get to know them and I don't like them? What if they say something about my life that's true but it really hurts? Right? There's fear on this, but God didn't call us to live in fear. He called us to live in love, and we learned a few weeks ago that perfect love casts out fear. I think this, this circle has the potential to be the least used circle in the church. Again, I'm not talking about having a best friend, a good buddy. I'm talking about having people who are intimately connected to you, who are helping you walk towards Jesus, who speak about the things of God into your life. I've become convinced that we hear from God in three key ways. We hear from God through scripture study. Jesus speaks to us through his word. We hear from God through prayer. As the spirit of God nudges us and speaks to us and leads us, and we hear from God through other people if we aren't listening to other people in the personal circle, we're missing a third of what God wants to do to speak to us. There's a great picture of this type of relationship in the book of Ezekiel. And I just love this story because it's one of the things that I love to do as a pastor and as a friend. I love to have this type of relationship. Look what it says. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, when I bring the sword against the land— And the people of the land choose one of their men to make him their watchman. And that man sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning and the sword comes to take their life, their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. Friends, how many of us, if we had this type of relationship, with other people, and we heeded their warnings because we have saved so much pain, so much energy, so much hurt. Verse 6, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin, but I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. I've always loved being the watchman. I've always loved calling people to account, calling people to great things. It started early. When I was in junior high, I was on the yearbook team in junior high and eighth grade, which I know you're thinking is really cool. It it was. Um, And our yearbook group went to a retreat in Big Bear with our yearbook teacher. And it was this two-story cabin, and the girls were all sleeping downstairs. And I got up early, and the yearbook teacher said, hey, in five minutes, we're having our pancakes. So can you go make sure the girls are up and are ready to come and eat their food in a few minutes? I said, absolutely. I would love to do that. That seems like a great idea for everyone. She didn't know that the night before I had found a huge gong, like a huge gong, on wheels. You had to roll it in. It was in the girl's room, so I went downstairs and I quietly snuck into their room. And they were all sleeping, very peaceful, little angels. And I came up to that gong and I found the the hammer thing to beat the gong. And I tell you, with everything that my little 11-year-old body had, I just nailed that gong as hard as I could. Like three times, girls are jumping up, they're screaming, they're yelling. I run out and I tell them, breakfast in five minutes, and I'm gone. I did not win a lot of points with those girls that day. Which, in hindsight, in eighth grade, you should be earning points with girls. But I didn't. I was not there yet. Uh, they did not appreciate me as their watchman. Why did they not appreciate me as their watchman? Can you guess? Two things. One, they did not invite me to be their watchman. I just took it on myself. It seemed like a good idea. Friend, you have to be invited into personal community. You can't just take it on yourself to walk up to someone and say, hey, you know what you're doing in your life? That's horrible. That's dumb. You're going to hurt yourself. People aren't going to hear that. And two, the way that I watched out for them, it's not the most helpful. The way we speak into people's lives is extremely important. As important as what we say is how we say it. But the watchman does a few things. He takes initiative. The watchman looks over the field, and if they see danger coming, they warn the people. So there's this interdependent relationship where you're watching out. In the personal realm of community, this personal circle, we watch out for each other. We say, hey, that choice you're making with your marriage— Look out five years. Is that where you want to be? That doesn't seem helpful. That choice you're making with your finances. Look out a few years. Is that where you want to be? This way you're raising your kids, this way you're acting at work, is that how you want to be? The watchman watches out for danger and warns people. That's one of the great gifts of personal community, but it's one that we miss a lot. It's one that we miss a lot. When you choose personal community, you want to look at a few things. Values. Do these people that I want to enter into community with, do they have similar values to me? traits that you want to develop in yourself. It's always good to look and see, are there things that this person's doing that I really like? There are a few couples in the church, I like the way they raise their kids, so I go to them and I say, would you speak into my life about how you raise your kids? Because I want my kids to turn out like your kids are turning out. The freedom to speak and the invitation to listen, and these are key. Do you have the freedom to speak into their life and are you giving them the freedom to speak into your life and are you listening to them? And then last is the capacity to change. Change. This is a big one because if you enter into a personal relationship, this personal uh, circle of community with people, and they don't have the capacity to change, you're just going to get frustrated. Have you ever told your kids something 20 times and they just don't ever listen to you and you feel like you're beating your head against a wall? Well, they're your kids. You're stuck with them. Uh, This circle of community, you're not stuck with them. And so if you find yourself speaking in because you've entered into this relationship and they're not listening, you're just going to get frustrated and you're just going to want to pull out. And that's not what God has for us. There needs to be all these different pieces. I have an image on your notes, and it's of three circles with an intersecting space. In that intersecting space, that's the sweet spot. That's where level four community takes place. We have all three of these circles, but really they all work together to help us engage with God. We can't just have one. We can't just have two. God called us to all three. And so I want to ask you to three things. Three commitments, three choices you're going to make today. So pull out your Connect cards, if you would. I'm going to ask you to do two things at once. Mark your notes and mark your Connect card. So pull out that Connect card. You're doing it. I love it. Would you commit to engage in public community by making every effort to come to Sunday morning church for the next four weeks for the rest of this sermon series? I think the series goes through March 13th. We're asking for four weeks in a row. I'm asking for four weeks because that will form a habit, a routine in your life that you'll probably continue after. There are great gifts to public community, but it only works if you actually show up. Coming once a month is not going to help you engage in this circle like God wants you to. The second one, would you commit to engage in social community by joining a life group this summer? Some of you may be in a life group right now. Some of you might not. Social community is huge. You need to have it. Would you mark that on your card? I'm going to tell you something. If you say that you're going to join a group this summer, I'm going to give you something special today. Three days before our life groups open up coming up this summer, I'm going to send you an email that has all the different groups on it so you can sign up early. I will do that for you because I like you and because you're here this morning. And you're going to sign up because you like me and you agree with what God's saying this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'd like to hear. We've been at like 270 of us in groups for the last two sessions. I'd love us to break 300 this summer. You may be gone for a week or two this summer. That's okay. I know I'm going to be gone for a week. I'm going to miss one week of groups. Sign up for a group anyway. God doesn't want you to miss out all summer on this type of community. So make sure you sign up. And then third, would you commit to really exploring the idea of setting up personal community in your life? I say exploring it because it's the one thing we can't do for you as a church. You have to do it yourself. What I will do though, if you mark this on your card, one, I'll be praying for you. And two, I'm going to shoot you an email on Tuesday, Uh, with some information about how to set up this type of community a little more in-depth to help you guide you through this process because it really is a key to experiencing the full life that God has for you and if you're here this morning uh, and you're just checking this out you're checking out God you're in this exploring Christ area I want to tell you all of this starts by knowing God Paul says we're the body of Christ, but we're only the body to the extent that the Bible says God is our head. God is the one that leads us. God is the one that guides us. If you've never come into a relationship with Jesus, I want to encourage you, there's no better time than today to do that. God is calling you. God wants to come into your life. God wants to lead you. God wants to guide you. God wants to bring transformation. Will you respond to him? Will you say yes to the invitation? Will you come into community with him and then come into community with us? Because God is calling you today. I'm going to pray in just a minute, and I'm going to give you a chance to, if you want to make that decision, just to repeat a prayer to yourself. So I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for us that we would be the kind of community that God calls us to be. Would you join me as we pray? Uh, God, we are excited about what you're doing, about who you are. Would you speak into our lives? Would you give us the courage to step away from fear and and anonymity? Uh, Help us to be open and transparent, to know and be known. Would you move and would you guide us in each of these three circles of community, to be the type of community that you called us and created us to be, to experience the kind of life that you have for us. And if you're here this morning, as we continue to pray, if you've never made a decision to come into a relationship with God, but you sense i calling you right now and nudging you, you can pray this simple prayer. Just repeat it after me in your head, in your heart, and God will honor it. Just pray, Lord Jesus, I accept the invitation that you offer. I believe you're the only way to God. And I want to come into a relationship with you. Would you guide me on this journey? Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.